Amen. Amen. Welcome today to our second anniversary, God is Good. I love that song. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. And He answers prayer. He answers prayer. He answers prayer. He's so good to me. I'm thankful that He died for me. He died for me. He died for me. He's so good to me. And He's coming soon. He's coming soon. He's coming soon. He's so good to me. Amen. We serve a good God, a great God. He's a gracious God, a loving God. He's a just God. He's kind. He's compassionate. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins so that we might have eternal life with Him. Jesus promised that He would build His church and that the gates of hell would not prevail against it. I'm so thankful. I was this morning as everybody was coming in, I looked around and I said, look at this, two years. What God can do in two years. Souls saved, people restored, people encouraged, people helped, people growing in their faith, a community being ministered to, and you are part of that. You are part of this church. So thank you for being here today to celebrate with us what God has done. This is not a celebration of man. We're going to thank some people today for their faithfulness, but this is a celebration of God. What He's done, what He continues to do, we believe that He's faithful. Would you go to the Lord in prayer with me this morning as we thank the Lord and ask Him to bless our service today. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for giving us the truth to be able to live by. Lord, You've given us the foundation, the bedrock on which we can place our hope and our faith through the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for our sins. Thank You for giving us a church where we can come together and worship You, where we can be encouraged and helped. Lord, there are folks today even that are out, people sick, people away, different things going on in their lives. Pray that You'd encourage them, strengthen them, bring them back to us safely. Lord, we thank You for all that You've done to bring us to this place. Lord, You've supplied people. You've supplied, supplied money. You've supplied the strength. You've supplied the place that we're meeting in this morning. Lord, You've put it all together, and we give You all the praise and glory for all that's done. We pray, Lord, as we continue to look forward to walk day by day and trusting You, looking unto Jesus, that we'd continue to walk by faith, that we wouldn't get our eyes on all the things around us and get comfortable, but we'd continue to press forward for you, looking for the day when you return. Father, I pray that you'd bless our service now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Today, as we praise the Lord for his goodness to us, and as we thank him for what he's done, I want to be able to praise the Lord as well, not just in good things, but also in hard things. Because God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. 
Yet sometimes when we face things along the way, some of you have been through things lately, it's hard to say, well, God, what is your purpose? What are you doing? Sometimes we see it, sometimes we don't. But we have to trust that God is in control. But I will tell you, one of the most encouraging things for me is when I see people that go through difficult things and yet see God continue to do a great work through them and through the other situations and circumstances that are going on. And uh, I've asked Brother Josh to share a, a brief testimony with us this morning. You've been praying for this family. You'll continue to pray for this family. Uh, as his brother, they lost his brother just a few weeks ago. But as First Thessalonians says, we don't sorrow as those that don't have hope. He didn't lose him forever just until we go to glory to be with him. But God's been working in this family and through them. Brother Josh, just share with that with us for just a few moments. Um, yeah, just want to, um, first of all, just say thank you. Um, so many of you have just been supportive and just been a, a huge blessing um, as we've been um, kind of bearing this burden. But, but from afar, my brother and family, um, all, most of my family are out in California. And um, the Lord decided um, here in the last about six months or so that, that John needed to go home. And so he took him home and just unexpected and, and just with a, with a, with a cancer that, that worked very rapidly. And so um, as, we've, as we've gone through that, we've, we've no doubt just um, been, um, at least in our, in our mind, just, Lord, what's going on? Why are you doing this? And I think some of those answers will come here in time and we'll see um, all of what God was doing in this situation, I think, in eternity. Um, but some of the blessings that have come just through the immediate time of this um, have been just overwhelming. And so I wanted to share a couple of those um, here with you um, this morning that I shared with Pastor Will last Wednesday, and he thought that we should, we should um, share them here. Um, first of all, my, my brother was involved in the church. Just, just um, We grew up in church, and they stayed. He, he got married. Him and his family stayed connected and involved and worked on bus routes, bringing children to church. He was a CHP highway patrolman, um, inviting friends to church. He set up a basketball league where him and um, um, buddies of his from the department, as well as from the sheriff's department, would get together on Saturday mornings, play basketball um, at the church, and invited other church families or men to come over and play basketball with them, and just had an outreach opportunity there to share the gospel and preach and things like that through a league that, that he set up. And then just... In every, every possible way, they were involved in, in serving in children's ministry. His wife worked in the school that they have there. Just in a lot of ways, they were connected and helping and serving others. Uh, one of the girls that um, Jesse, my, my sister-in-law, um, taught in high school, got married and didn't go out living for the Lord, um, really just kind of went out on her own, got married to a guy and, and kind of was just living, living for herself, not in church, those sort of things. And, um, but following all the updates on Facebook of what my sister-in-law was posting and where John was at, and um, the day that she posted that the Lord had taken John home, uh, she shared that with her husband, and um, he said, you know what, I saw the faith of those two, and I want the same belief in God that he has. And he prayed right there, prayed to trust Christ as a Savior, and then prayed for the family. And, um, and so it was one of their students, and so she texted them and let them know. A few days later, when we were actually out there, uh, we were meeting together in the funeral home, and Jesse got a text um, from one of the therapy nurses. And she said, hey, John and Jesse, she did not realize that he had passed. She goes, I wanted to let you know that flyer that you gave me that told me all about Jesus, I read that, and I prayed and asked Jesus to be my Savior. 
And so while he was in one of the hospitals doing therapy, um, he was giving out the done books that we use as well as a, a, a flyer that kind of explained the whole gospel on it. And uh, just to all the nurses and doctors that they came into contact with, and one of those trusted Christ. And then while we were sitting in church here this last um, Wednesday night, um, I got a text from my grandma. And my grandma um, had, had shared a text that her sister, so my great aunt, uh, their church up in Oregon had been praying for the whole situation, praying for the family. And um, in the class, in their Sunday school class, was a man who had been going for a couple of years but did not know Jesus Christ. And when the news was shared that, that John had passed, and if you would just pray for the family, um, it was talked about that now he's in heaven and now he's, he's going to be there for all of eternity. That man said, well, you know what, that's something that I have not done yet and I want to do as well because of him. And so there was another person, again, I mean, just a complete stranger, had no idea who John was or anything about his life, um, trusted Christ through the situation. At the funeral, there were, um, I mean, it was, it was a full, full auditorium, just many, a couple of thousand people there. And um, many of them were um, 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 individuals from the, the, sher- the sheriff's department, and then many from the California Highway Patrol there with their families. And, and John only was a highway patrolman for two years. Um, he was only 28 years old. And, um, but they treated him, and it was said by a few different ones that he was as if he'd been there 20 years. Um, the way the department treated him, just in the way they took care of him, taking, and the way they're taking care of his family. But the way he just made an impact on everybody. Everybody knew John. And uh, he just had that kind of personality. He was a very outgoing person. And... Um, and there were a couple of those um, that we know for sure raised their hand and were trusted Christ as their Savior as well at the, at the, at the funeral. Um, the church does every year, they do a first responder Sunday, and that's just an opportunity the church uses to honor um, sheriff's deputies and, and ambulance drivers and firefighters and all those things. And um, they have one coming up, and it's a prayer that through the testimony of John as well as there's others, many others who work in the department who go to the church, um, that through this, that they would see many of these men and their families just come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And that's been the prayer of the family, and um, it's our prayer. And if you would just, if you pray for us, pray in that way, um, that his testimony continues to live on um, as, as it's been doing, because he was just that kind of person. Pastor. We say, why did this happen? Why did this all go on? We, we may not know every little detail till we get to eternity someday, but it's so comforting to know Already five new people that'll be in heaven someday with them. What a blessing. We were just talking, it'll be 10 years here in about three months that I, my wife and I moved down to the Greenwood Village Baptist Church to work under Pastor Clayton and his wife, Mary Ellen. And uh, it's hard to believe it's only been 10 years, but on the other side, it kind of does feel like a long time too. So it kind of goes both ways. And this was our first full-time ministry position after finishing school, and we learned so much working there, and uh, I'm so thankful for the time, the years we had there working together and the friendship that the Lord has continued to allow us to have. When we started this church, um, I, I wanted Pastor Clayton to be able to come. He was here a year ago for our anniversary Sunday, our first anniversary, and he was here just a few weeks ago when I was out of town, but I wanted him to come because... I am thankful for the people that have helped me, and God gives me an opportunity to be able to preach and teach and lead others, but I'm not doing this in a vacuum. 
You know, of course, we have the Lord to help us and guide and direct us, but I'm thankful for people like Brother Clayton who have helped us. And so, Brother Clayton, you come, share what God has laid on your heart this morning. Thank you for being here today. Amen. Okay. Okay. I said, hold my mule while I shout. Uh, ten years ago, what a blessing it was to, for our past to cross with Brother Will Cover. Now, his dad is the one that told me about his son. I was looking for a youth pastor and I talked to his dad one, one Sunday night. He told me that he would really be a good one, a good youth pastor. And so I, I got his name and telephone number and called him and he came and re the rest is history. And uh, one thing about Brother Cover and his wife, his family, uh, they're so faithful. And they're great Christians. And he has great faith. That's the reason why God's building this church. Is because he has great faith and you can just put it down. Some great things are going, even greater things are going to happen in the future here at Arise Baptist Church. And all I want to do is just encourage him. I just want to encourage him all I can. And uh, he can do it. God can do it through him. He can. And it's a blessing to be here today, me and my wife. And she's sitting over here. She's four foot eight. She is five feet tall and I married her. And she's been shrinking ever since. <laughs> and we've been married now 68 years. And uh, we're going to just try to make it right on to the end. Amen. Right on to the end. All right. <clears throat> Why don't you stand up, honey, so they can see you? <laughs> I am. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy see what happened was we went to the same high school and uh, one day at lunch she winked at me and that's what started it she winked at me we went to the old Jeff Davis high school of course I changed the name of it now because of the Confederacy, they had to change the name. Now it's a Northside High School. Did the same thing at Reagan, changed the name to Heights. Heights High School now. I think they ought to keep the names. I'm not, I'm not for changing all those names. Amen. I'm old fashioned. I'm saving my Confederate money, it might rise again. <laughs> 
Amen. All right. If you have your Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 3. <clears throat> and I want to begin reading with uh, verse 13. Read through verse 21. This is a message I preached when I started the South Winds Baptist Church in 1991. This was the first message. And that Sunday we had 16 people join the church. We started out with 16. We had, a, had a, over 100 people there the first Sunday. It was amazing what God did. And this is the first message I preached. At, uh, before I get started, I'd like for everybody to amen. say amen. How about this? Glory. Hallelujah. How about this one? Responding good. We're getting warmed up before we get started. Amen. Okay, Ephesians chapter 3. I want to begin reading with verse 13. <clears throat> Paul said, Wherefore I desire that you faint not in my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this cause I bowed my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, length, and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him that's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us, Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. And Paul couldn't stand it and said, Amen. In that great chapter, underline especially verse 20. Now to him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. I want to preach a little while this morning on the subject that now unto him that is able. I'm not dealing so much with the prayers I am with this great statement in the closing part of this brief prayer of the Apostle Paul. Paul prays for the church. He prays for Christians. He prays for you. And he prays for me. And notice in verse 16. Paul prays that we might know God's power, that it's inexhaustible. Oh, we need to know more about God's power. 
Look at verse 17. He prays that we may know God's presence. We sure do need to know that too today. Look at verse 18. He prays that we may have wisdom. Oh, we need more wisdom, heavenly wisdom. Look at verse 19. He prayed that we might know God's love. Oh, we need that. We need to know more about God's love. In fact, Paul prays a strange strange thing. He prays in verse 19 that we might know the unknowable. And to know the love of Christ, he said, which passeth knowledge. He said it passed all knowledge, but he prayed for it anyhow. Tremendous prayer was this. Then look at verse 20. He prays that we may know God's ability. And in this prayer, Paul puts the emphasis on the inner man, verse 16. The world today puts the emphasis on the outer man. Style, strength, sexy, and sports. That's pretty well where the the world puts it. The world puts the emphasis on that which you can see and feel, the tangible, but not the Bible, not the Spirit of God, not the prayers of the great Apostle Paul. They are upon the inner man. And God's Word teaches us that the most important part of life is the man that we cannot see with a physical eye or touch with a physical touch. This prayer expresses two great things. First, a deep sense of need for the church and for Christians and for believers everywhere, even in the days of the Apostle Paul. And they had such needs back in the days of the Apostle Paul. I wonder how great the need is today in this day in which we live. This prayer expresses a strong hope of supply. And I want you to feel both of these things this morning. I would to God that you'd feel an uprising an upwelling, a sense of hope of divine supply in your heart this afternoon. In this prayer, you find a deep hunger on the part of God's people to know His power, His presence, His love, and His ability. They want to know the reality of God in their lives. I think there's a voice going up to God from the hearts of His people Today, like that which went up from the heart of Elisha when he prayed in 2 Kings 2, verse 14, where is the Lord God of Elijah? Where is God? Where is his power? Where is his presence? Where is his ability? Thank God his ability has not diminished with the years. He's untarnished by time. Hebrews 13, verse 8. He's eternal in nature, and he's as capable and able today as ever before. I believe that. I would to God, we'd just this morning, that whenever we leave this house of God, there'd be no doubt in any Christian's mind, but what God is equal and able of all that we need in this hour. And there's a number of times in the New Testament 
where the Bible says God's able. And I want to point some of those out this morning. That's my introduction. Every message has to have an introduction before you get to the first big point. Are you ready? I want to show you in the Bible where it says God's able. Here's the first one. He's able to keep his word. Amen. Romans 4 verse 21. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able. There's that word able. He was able also to perform. And this is referring to Abraham being fully persuaded. Abraham believed that what God said he would do, he was able to do. Now the Lord said a great thing to Abraham. He came to Abraham when he was 75 years of age and he had no children. Abraham's wife Sarah was 65 and God said they would be the chosen heads of the great nation of Israel. God told Abraham, Genesis 15, 5, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said, So shall thy seed be. Abraham wondered how this could be. It meant that Abraham and Sarah at the age of 75, 65 are going to have children. And the years come and go. And there's a lapse seemingly in Abraham's faith or in the faith of Sarah. And Sarah encourages Abraham to take Hagar to wife, which he does, and Ishmael is born. And this was a thorn in the flesh to Abraham's descendants ever since Ishmael's birth. They've been one against the other ever since. You know who they are. The Arabs and the Jews. They're still at it to this very day, the Arabs and the Jews. God's able to keep his word. Abraham is now 100 years old and Sarah is 90. And God who had promised them a child said it's coming to pass and the performance will equal the promise. God's able to keep his word. Abraham believed God. And you know, Abraham had to discount some things in order to believe that God would keep his word, and you're going to have to, too. Abraham, first of all, Abraham discounted his age and the deadness of his body and of his wife's. You know, the older I get, the more I feel like Abraham. I'm just going to discount my age and ask God to use me anyhow. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. <laughs> yes, amen. I was in a great big Christian school over in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And uh, I was going to speak in the chapel service at the school. And uh, they were coming into the gymnasium there, and, and me and the pastor, we were sitting out on the gymnasium floor in two metal chairs. And while I was sitting there, here come the young people in, filing in up in the bleachers for the chapel service. 
When the young people started filing in, I could almost read their minds. They looked out there and saw me sitting on the gymnasium floor with the pastor, and they said, well, I guess old Methuselah's come speak to us today. And while I was sitting there, I just prayed a little prayer. I said, Lord, when I get up to preach to these young people, just help me to come unglued. Just help me to have a spell. And I tell you, he did. When I got up, I mean, I had liberty and I preached and I'm telling you the truth. When I got through preaching, those young people stood up on the bleachers and they were clapping and praising God. I tell you what, I just discounted my age and asked God to use me anyhow. Amen. Hold my mule while I shout. Hallelujah. Did you know the older you get, the more conservative you get? I think that happens that way. Some people don't do it, but most people do. I've seen someone get up and say, well, let's borrow $2 million. We're going to build this auditorium. Some you know, older people say, where are you going to get the money to do it? And young people, man, they jump, hey, praise God, we can do it. That's more $2 million. Amen. Hallelujah. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you could mesh together uh, the, how the older people feel and the young people feel? Just kind of mesh that together and make it work. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Hallelujah. I was in a camp meeting Thursday and Friday and Broadus, Texas, three-hour drive from my home. Man, they filled that place up. But you know what? I looked out there, and there was nothing but old people. That's all that was there. There wasn't any young people. All of them were old people sitting out there. What's going to happen to us when all these old people are gone? These millennial people, you can't get them in church. And did you know hundreds of churches close every year? They're closing down right now. Every year in America, hundreds of churches. I hope we can start reaching more young people, more young couples. We need them to go along with us older folk that's got a lot of wisdom. Amen. <laughs> Notice something else that Abraham. Abraham did. He defied all precedents. And it never happened that way before. Did you know traditions killing many a church? I've heard some people say, well, preacher never has been done that way before. Well, who cares if it never has been done that way before? As long as it's honest and good and Gets the job done. I'd like to do something every once in a while. Never had been done that way before. Amen. Then Abraham defied the ordinary laws of nature and opinions and philosophy of men by saying, God said it. Does not matter that every evidence is against it. God is able. He's able to keep his word. How thankful I am for that. 
2 Corinthians 1, verse 20, For all the promises of God in Him are yea and in Him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. 2 Peter 3, verse 9, The Lord's not slack concerning His promise. Promise of God will be fulfilled. He's able to keep His word. Now unto Him it's able. Do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Brings me to my second big point. Still showing you in the Bible where it says God's able. Oh, I like this one. He's able to supply. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8. And God is able. There it is again. God's able to make all grace abound toward you that ye always have an all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. It's a scripture that defies all description. The word all is mentioned three times in this verse. All grace, all sufficiency, all things. Paul said God's able to make all grace abound toward you. Amen. Maybe I'm preaching to someone this morning who's wondering if God's able to meet the needs of your life. Oh, He can. He can. Philippians 4.19 But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. But wait a minute. Take that verse in the context of Philippians chapter 4. What Paul was saying was, because you took care of me, God's going to take care of you. That's what he was saying. Amen. He's able to supply. Sure is. Last week, we was also over in Salado, Texas, above Austin in the Bible conference and uh, one night the preacher had some missionaries stand up there and their little children and he was telling, telling oh, he, they had such needs. And the Lord just touched my heart. I had a $50 bill and I t went over and gave it to the little boy and he turned around and gave it to his daddy. $50 bill. Whenever I got home, I had some letters on, concerning my birthday. Opened up one of, one of one of them and had a card in that in that card was a fifty dollar bill. You know that's the way God does it. Over the last sixty four years, I mean, you can't outgive God. I mean, I've given stuff and God just gives it right back. He does. You see, I was known at Greenwood Village in years past as the king of the special offering takers. I mean, when you got a big church and a big annual Bible conference and a big school and uh, 15 buses and a youth camp and on television every Sunday morning, you can't make it on the regular tithe. You have to have special offerings, and that quite often. Amen. One Sunday night, I was taking up a special offering. 
while I was taking up a special offering, someone started beating on the side door. Mighty hard to concentrate and take up a special offering while somebody's a beating on the side door. I said, Deacon, would you get up and go over there and see who that is beating on the side door? Deacon got up and went over there and opened the door and there stood a lady and she had a sack full of money. She owned the laundromat down the street. She said, a while ago, God just touched my heart and told me to come down here and give this sack full of money. And the deacon took the sack full of money, closed the door and locked it back. <laughs> walked in, I was taking up a special offering, walked up on the platform, gave me that sack full of money while I was taking up a special offering. You say, you believe in stuff like that? <laughs> That's what makes me so happy, amen. I've seen the old storm clouds gather, look like there wouldn't be any way out, and God would just show up in the nick of time and take care of every need, amen. I mean, I could, I could just, I could, I could park the rest of the message right on this point. Yeah, I could. We started in 1991, Southwind Baptist Church, and and uh, within a year, we got some property down the street. had a had about a three bedroom concrete block house. Men went down there and knocked out some of the walls. We made a little auditorium on one end, other end had a little nursery and it had a restroom. That's what we started out with on that property. And we was going to church, and I mean, we filled up that little house and, and we, me and my wife was going to church one Sunday morning, and I said, Honey, I believe God's going to do something special for us today. She said, You do? You see, it kind of surprised her because most of the time I'm, I'm negative. <laughs> but there I was being positive. I said, I believe God's going to do something special for us today. And I preached that Sunday morning, and about six people joined the church that Sunday morning. And, and then I got up and I said, folks, I want to share with you what's on my heart. And I told them, I said, right behind this house, we want to build a little auditorium back here. We need more space. And, and whenever I was talking about it, there was a couple there, the second time you ever ca they ever came, I didn't even know their name. And the brother raised his hand and said, can I say something? Well, normally uh, that would scare me a little bit, but I said, okay. He was standing, he said, if it's all right with my wife, and he looked down at her and looked back up at me, he said, I'd like to give you a check for $50,000 for that new building. I said, what? I went down on my knees and started crying. Song leader got up and said, now don't worry about Brother Clayton, he'll be all right. He'll be back up here in just a minute. I got back up and stood up, another man stood up and said, I'll give 5,000 on that. Another man stood up, I'll give 5,000 on that. 
Another man stood up, I give 5,000. I didn't ask for a dime. And in just a few minutes, I had $65,000 to go on that new building. You say, you believe in stuff like that? <laughs> that wasn't making me so happy. You see, let me tell you a little story. I told the deacons, I said, I believe God wants us to build that building and not borrow any money, just pay as we go. One of the deacons said, Preacher, you can't do that. Won't well, just go on down to the bank and borrow the money and build the building. You can't do it that way. I said, okay. I'll go down there to the bank. I took one of the deacons with me and I went down to the bank and told him what I wanted to do. And I said, yeah, we'll loan you the money. But every deacon will have to sign the note. Well, that took care of that. <laughs> they said, preacher, you go ahead and do it the way you want to do it. Amen. Hallelujah. And you know what? When we got through, it's it paid for. Paid as we went. I don't like to go down to the bank anyhow. I just don't like to go down. I don't have, like to ask for anything. I want God to do it. Amen. Amen. Hold my mule while I shout. Oh, I, I tell you, I can. Let me tell you one more. I'm, I'm trying to teach you how God supplies. We built that new educational building behind that little, they call it the chapel now, built that educational building. And, and I had enough money to build it, but I didn't have, we needed a paved concrete parking lot. We, our parking lot was just gravel. That's hard on the women's high heels, it really is. And uh, we needed a paved concrete parking lot. And the builder kept, kept after me. He said, you want me to put that parking lot in? You want me to put that parking lot? I said, well, now, wait a minute. I, I've got to, I've got to see, see if we can get the money before we can do it. And one Friday, I got down on my knees. Now, listen, I'm going to tell you something. I'm a nobody. But I believe God hears and answers prayer. And I got down on my knees and I said, Lord, that builder's after me. Wants to know if he can put that parking lot in and we need it. And Lord, if you want me to put that parking lot in, would you please let me know today what to do about that? Well, I had on my old work clothes working around the church that day and 4.30 rolled around and nothing happened. I went home. My wife had supper. And after supper, I said, Honey, I guess I better go in the bedroom and call that contractor and just tell him we don't have the money to put that parking lot in right now. She said, Well, I think that's a pretty good idea. I went to the bedroom and I sat on the bed and I have the telephone right by my bed. I reached over to get the telephone and it, and it rang and it kind of scared me. I picked it up. It was Miss Fincher. You see, the, the story behind that is Brother Fincher 
he was sick, he had cancer, and uh, Fred Fincher, and every time I'd go see him, he'd say, Preacher, I wanna, I'd like to pay for putting that parking lot in. And he died. He just hauled off and died. I said, Lord, he was gonna pay for that parking lot. <laughs> and he died. Well, when I picked up the phone, it was, Ms. Fincher, it was his wife, Miss Fincher. She said, Brother Clayton, <clears throat> are you going to be down at the church tomorrow on Saturday? And I said, yes, ma'am, I'll be there. She said, well, good. I want to come by about 10 o'clock and give you a check for $70,000 to put that parking lot in. I said, what did you say? <laughs> I started crying and got away with her. She was hung up. <laughs> My wife came in and I was crying. She said, who died? Oh, I said, honey, nobody died. That's Miss Fincher. She just called and said, she's going to meet me in the morning and give me $70,000. Put that parking lot in. She started crying too. And Saturday morning, I wasn't sitting in my office waiting for her to come in. I was standing in the parking lot at 10 o'clock. And she drove up and got out of the car and came over and gave me a check for $70,000. She said, this is what Brother Fincher wanted to do. And here's the money. And when she gave it to me, I reached over and just hugged her. I'm going to tell you something. I'd hug anybody for $70,000. Amen. Hallelujah. Hold my mule while I shout. Well, I got to get off at this point. Bring me to my third big point. He's able to subdue all things. Look at Philippians 3, 21. Who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he's able, there's that word able again, he's able even to subdue all things unto himself. The word subdue means to conquer or subject. God's able to subdue or conquer bringing all things under subjection to him. That includes you and that includes me. Do you think God can't bring you down on your knees? He can bring you down on your knees that, that fast. You better forget pride. God's able to bring every man or woman down on their knees before him. To subdue all things in the scripture here is referring to our bodies. Something some people don't understand is that whenever you get saved, your body didn't get born again when you got saved. I've heard people say, well, I won't tell you right now, preacher, whenever I got saved, I got saved all over. No, you didn't. You're not aware of what the Bible teaches. I've heard other people say, well, preacher, I'll tell you right now when I got saved, oh, the Lord gave me the whole works. No, he didn't. If he did, then you just step aside when the Lord comes again. You don't need a new body. You already have one. Yeah. 
Paul said he's able to subdue or change our vile bodies and make it like unto his glorious body. There is in the Bible what is called progressive sanctification. Phelps said to me one time, Brother Clay, I'm at the place where I cannot sin anymore. I talked with him long enough till he sinned right on the spot. <laughs> he got mad and almost wanted to fight. I said, see there, you lost your temper. And he said, well, you tried my patience. I said, well, I wouldn't have, but I thought you was perfect. <laughs> Amen. Oh, he proved he wasn't perfect. I've never seen a perfect person, and if I happen to run across one here around Garden Oaks, I'm not going to encourage him to join this church. It ruined this situation completely. No one's seen anybody perfect except for him about whom they said, I find no fault in him who is the Son of God. Amen. One day Jesus is going to change our vile bodies and make it like unto his glorious body. Thank God he's able. Just think about it. No more, no more bulges, bunions, and bridges. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now to him it's able to do exceeding abundantly. Above all that we ask our thing according to the power that worketh in us. Brings me to the fourth big point. I love this one. He's able to keep our souls. Boy, I'm glad that's in the scripture. When you got saved, the old devil kept telling you, it won't last, you can't hold out, you can't make it. That's what the devil said. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible tells me I don't have to hold out because he's a holding on to me. Hallelujah. Devil's right because we can't make it on our own, but God can bring us through. The two wonderful verses. 2 Timothy 1 verse 12. Paul said, For I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded he is able. There's that word able again. He's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. 2 Timothy 4.18 And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and preserve me. I like that word. He going to preserve me. He going to preserve me to his heavenly kingdom to whom be glory forever. And Paul couldn't stand and said, Amen. 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 You know, Paul was an amener. Amen. Did you know I'm pre about everything? I'm predestined, I'm prepaid, I'm prepared, I'm preserved, I'm premillennial, and I'm pickled in the juices of his grace. Amen. Yeah. Hey, might as well do that. Oh, 
Jesus said, John 10, verse 27 through 30, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life. Amen. And they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man's able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. I just believe that with all my heart. I was, I was not raised a Baptist. I was raised in a denomination that taught. Baptists were good as far as they went, but they just didn't want all that God had for them. And I was taught that Baptists believe that damnable doctrine, once saved, always saved. I wouldn't call it that. That's a wonderful doctrine. Amen. I was over at my mother's house, just became pastor of Greenwood Village just a few months, and I was over at my mother's house, sitting around the kitchen table, my sweet grandmother, Mommy, in heaven now, my mother in heaven, all of her, all of her daughters, they, they had no boys, all girls, six girls. Sitting around the kitchen table, we just fellowshipping about the things of God. And the Bible was there on the table. And my sweet grandmother reached out and put her hand on the Bible and said, Harold, you can't show me eternal security between the lids of this Bible. And when she did, I quoted John 3.16. I quoted John 10, 27 through 30. I went over to Hebrews 6, quoted some of those verses. And after I, I was quoting the Bible, I looked at my mother, and my mother was looking at my grandmother, and my mother said to my grandmother, I tried to raise him right. <laughs> and there I was, a pastor of a church, I thought she did a jam-up job. There I was pastoring a church, and she said, I tried to raise him right. I thought she did pretty good. I got in the car and started back at the church, and tears blinded my eyes. I just pulled over and sat on the side of the road a while, and I prayed a little prayer, and I said, Lord, I'm so glad you saved me by grace, and you keep me by grace. And I said, you know, to myself, I said, you know, I don't believe I'm going to talk to them anymore about that. And I believe they said the same thing. I don't believe we're going to talk to Harold anymore about that. And they loved me, and they prayed for me. It's funny how time can take care of a lot of things. And when I was traveling, every time I went through Houston to see my mother, Oh, she'd hug me. And she put a, she'd, she'd fold a $50 bill, put it in the palm of her hand. Every time I went through Houston, she'd take my hand, have that $50 bill, palm. I tried to go through Houston every chance I could get. <laughs> Amen. Well, thank God he's able. See, whenever I surrendered to preach, 
all my friends in the church where I grew up as a boy, they thought if I really did what I wanted to do, I'd be a preacher in their denomination. And all my Baptist friends thought, well, maybe he's still a fifth columnist. <laughs> and there I was, sandwiched between the two. And after I pastored the same, same church for 32 years, they decided, well, I guess he's a Baptist preacher. Amen. You see, I used to run around. Now I just hold on the pulpit and shake my leg. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm just going to discount my age. I'm going to ask God to use me anyhow. Hallelujah. Fifth big point. I'm still showing you in the Bible where it says God's able. He's able to succor. S-U-C-C-O-U-R. To succor merely means he's able to help. Every time you see that word in the Bible, just put help. Hebrews 2.18, Romans 16.2. Hebrews 2.18 says, For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he's able, there's that word able, he's able to succor, that means help, he's able to succor them that are tempted, he's able to help them that are tempted. Romans 16.2 speaks of one of the Lord's people, a woman by the name of Phoebe, and it says, For she hath been a succorer of many and of myself also. Another word Paul said, she helped a whole lot of people and she helped me too. That's what he said. I'm glad my grandson and Toby, my great-grandson, just walked in. I told them to come on even if you're late. Come on. And they did. There they are. Hallelujah for young people. We've got to have some young people amongst us old people here today. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, listen. If you're laboring and struggling with something you want delivered out of your life, then trust God. He's able to help you. Maybe it's some bad habit. Maybe it's the pride of life. Maybe it's the lust of the flesh. Some problem. Whatever it is, God, he's able to help. He's able to help. Sixth big point. I'm still showing you in the Bible where it says God's able. He's able. Oh, this is the most important one. He's able to save to the uttermost. Hebrews 7.25, here it is. Wherefore, he's able, there it is, he's able to save them to the uttermost to come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Uttermost means he saves completely and finally. No blemishes on God's salvation. Save not only from the guttermost, but praise God to the uttermost. Amen. He reached down to the depths, deepest depths and saved. If he could save that thief on the cross, he could save you and me. 
If he could save Saul of Tarsus on the way to persecute God's people, he can save you and me. If he could save that woman caught in the very act of adultery, yeah, he can save you and me. He can reach out beyond time and keep forever and ever, and that's what to the uttermost means. Amen. Save to the uttermost. Can I tell you about a lady that got saved? We just moved on the new property at uh, South Winds into that concrete block house. The first Sunday we was in that building, a, a man visited, sat on the first row. My, I didn't know who he was, never met him. He never met me before. But before the service, I felt like he liked me. I, I liked him. Somehow or another, I, I, my heart went out. I just liked him. And I know he liked me. Second Sunday he came, sat on the first row again. I didn't even know his name. I found out that his name was Crider, Mr. Crider. I said to my wife, I said, I wonder if, it, I wonder if he's married. He comes by himself. I wonder if he's married. Maybe we ought to go over to, to their house and, and visit them, see if we can be a help to them in any way. And I made an appointment and went to their house. Knocked on the front door. He came to the front door, invited us in. And he said, first thing he said was, now my wife is back in the kitchen. She's kind of bashful. She probably won't come in. And my wife said, oh, I'll go back there and talk to her. My wife went to the kitchen to see his wife. I talked to him in the living room. This is what he told me. He said, I'm a businessman. I go to the Orient. And going to the Orient, I fell in love with this Chinese girl. He said, if somebody told me I'd do that several years ago, he said, I'd say, you don't know what you're talking about. But I did. He said, I fell in love with her. And he said, she's a Buddhist. And I went, I went to the Buddhist temple with her. He said, that's making all those strange sounds. He said, I felt like going over and picking her up and carrying her out of that Buddhist temple. And preacher, she told me, if we get married, don't you ever expect me to go to the Christian church. I Buddhist, is what she said. Well, we left that house that night and I told my wife, I said, I'm going to tell the church. I'm going to tell the church, start praying for Miss Crowder. She gets saved. We're going to start praying for her. I told them about it. Man, we had an earnest prayer. She'd get saved. Not long after that, the front door opened, and in the front door walked Brother Crider and Miss Crider. First time she had ever been in a Christian church, the first time. I couldn't believe it. That's what we do. We pray for things to happen. When it happens, we don't believe it. You know, there she was. I got up to preach that Sunday morning, and you know what happened? God changed my message. I don't hardly ever do that. 
And I preached on God's simple plan of salvation. I wanted to make it so simple she could understand. First time she ever been to a Christian church, she could understand and be saved. Uh, everybody in church knew what I was doing. I was preaching to one person. You said, have you ever preached just to one person? Oh, yes. And they were praying for me because they was praying that she'd get saved. They wanted to see her saved. When I got through preaching, I had everybody stand, gave the invitation. She stood up and she just bowed her head and she didn't come. Oh, I was so grieved. I was hoping she'd be saved. Next Sunday rolled around, front door opened in, the front door walked Brother Crider and Miss Crider. Second time ever been in a Christian church, second time. I got up to preach. You know what happened? God changed my message again. I was preaching about just how to be saved, simple plan of salvation. I wanted to see her saved so bad. When I got through preaching, I had everybody stand and said, bow your heads now. I gave the invitation, and she didn't bow her head. She looked right at me. And while everybody else had their heads bowed, I did something like this. I said, Come on, Miss Grider. Come on. Man, nobody else, they couldn't see what I was doing. They had their heads bowed. I begged her to come. And finally, she just bowed her head again. And you know what? There was about, I couldn't believe it. But there was at least six, six couples, I mean grown people, came down the altar to be saved. Man, I was over there praying with these people to get saved. After a while, I looked over on the other side of the altar, and there knelt Brother Crider and Miss Crider. I jumped up and I went over and knelt by her and I said, Miss Crider, you won't be saved today. I'll never forget what she said. She said two things. She looked at me and said, I Buddhist. She couldn't speak good English. She said, I Buddhist tradition. That's what she said. I Buddhist tradition. Oh, I said, Miss Crider, forget about being a Buddhist. Forget about tradition. I'm asking you, will you accept Christ as your Savior? He died for you, shed his blood for you. He wants to forgive you of your sins. He wants to save you. Would you trust him as your Savior? And big old tears started running down her cheeks, and she looked at me and said, I will. I said, okay, bow your head, let's pray. We prayed, and Miss Crider gave her heart to Jesus. And Brother Crider, he thought she'd never go to a Christian church, and there he was. He had his arm around her. He had her all hugged up. He just cried. <laughs> she got saved. And I, I had him stand, and all these other people got, got saved. Man, now what a day. And I, I was telling all the people about it, and, and I came to her, and I just cried. I, I couldn't say much. 
And you know what? The whole church cried with me. All of them. They are so thrilled that she got saved and all those other people got saved. One of the greatest days we ever had in the church. Oh, he's able. He's able to save to the uttermost those that come unto God by him. Oh, and by the way, Brother Crider's in heaven now, but she's still going. She's still going to church. She got born again. I mean, she got saved. Third time she ever came to the Christian church, she got saved. Isn't that wonderful? Well, I guess I better go to the next big point. Number seven. This is the seventh one. Saving to the uttermost was number six. Number seven. He's able to keep and present you faultless. Look at Jude, verse 24. Now to him that's able, there it is again, able to keep you from falling, present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. One day in that final coronation day for me, when I stand in his presence, robed in his righteousness, washed in his blood, indwelt by his spirit, partaker of his divine nature, God's going to say, I find no fault in him at all. Now unto him it's able. Do exceeding abundantly. Above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. You know, I like that old hymn. I like the old hymn. I'm sorry, I just do. I like those old hymns. Tis the grandest theme through the ages rung. Tis the grandest theme for a mortal tongue. Tis the grandest theme that the world e'er sung. Our God is able to deliver thee. Yes, he is. He's able to keep his word. He's able to supply. He's able to subdue all things. He's able to keep our souls. He's able to succor our help. He's able to save to the uttermost. And he's able to keep and present you faultless before the presence of his glory. Now to him it's able to exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Now to him it's able. Let's stand with our heads bowed. And I want to pray. And then we'll have an invitation uh, number. And we want to invite you to come to Jesus if you've never been saved. Just like he saved Mrs. Crider, he can save you. He wants to save you. He wants to do it today. Lord Jesus, we're nothing without you. Thank you for the message today. 
I just, it's just over, I feel overcome with this wonderful truth that God's able. Oh, he's so able. And that's why we have this church here. You've blessed. You've been so able to bless Brother Cover and the people here. And the second anniversary, thank you that you're so able. Lord, continue to do that work right here. And Lord, may the Holy Spirit speak to people in this area. May the Holy Spirit draw people right here. And Lord, speak to their hearts. Some need to be saved. Some are saved, grown cold and indifferent, and need to get back on their honeymoon love with Jesus. Help them to do it. And Lord, bless this invitation right now. And if folks feel that small tug in their heart, help them to know that's the Holy Spirit. And help them to come unashamedly. We're not ashamed, somebody we love. Help them to come. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Our heads are bowed, eyes closed. Pastor's here. The invitation's given. You need to move your membership or to be saved or come for prayer. Come right now. Just come. Amen. Take the first step. He'll be with you on the second. Yes, he will. Amen. Well, I wanted to just share with you a few thoughts this morning as we finish up this service. And then after this, we're going to all sing together, How Great Thou Art. We serve a great God. We've learned about that He is able, and He is able. A passage of Scripture that just always challenges me is from Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, we read about the testimony of the Apostle Paul. Paul shares his testimony of, of his past. He talks about how he lived, all of his qualifications, all of the things that he had experienced, all of the different spiritual things that had happened to him along the way. But Paul says in Philippians chapter 3 that he counts all those things as loss, that he might win Christ. Paul's desire, his goal, his purpose in life is found in chapter 3 and verse 10 where he says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. Paul's desire was that he would know Christ that he would understand, that he would know and experience the power of his resurrection. Paul said that if Christ be not risen, then we are of all men most miserable. 
I tell you this morning, I'm not miserable. I'm happy. I'm thankful for what God has done in my life. And it's through the power of the resurrection. Because Jesus rose from the dead, I know that that resurrection is available to me. The power of, the re- of His resurrection, He says, the fellowship of His sufferings. That's not a thing that we often want to have. And yet that's something Paul says, that's what I want. To understand, to know the fellowship of His sufferings. Christ suffered, He died for us in our place so that we might have eternal life. He says, being made conformable unto His death. But Paul continues on here in the next few verses, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the, of the dead, not as though I had already attained, neither were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. I love how he says there in verse 13, brethren. He's talking to his brothers and his sisters in Christ. It's a term of endearment. It's a term that we use when we're talking about Family. I'm so thankful for the family that is Arise Baptist Church. I'm so thankful for those, as we even heard on the video, those who help one another, those who pray for one another, those who encourage one another, those who are out trying to reach others with the gospel so that they might know what it means to be part of the family of God. I'm so thankful for the family that God has put us in. I'm so thankful to call you my family. Paul, though, here he says that he has not count himself to have apprehended. To apprehend means he's saying, I haven't arrived yet. I haven't fully grabbed onto or completed everything that I want to complete. And anniversary time is a wonderful time to look back But I would say in a church anniversary, it's also a time to look forward, to continue to advance for the cause of Christ. Paul even says here that he forgets those things behind. It's not that those don't matter in the sense of that's how we got to where we are today, but they don't matter in that those are not the things that will continue putting us where we need to be. Rather, a personal relationship with God is something that requires Daily walking with the Lord. Yes, I'm here where I am today because of what God has done in my life. Our church is here today because of what God is doing and has done in this community. But let us not stop here. If we stop here, it's as if we're saying, Well, God, you were good enough to get us this far, but I don't know if you can take us the rest of the way. God is faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful to you. He's faithful to me. He's faithful to your children. He's faithful to our church. Let us never come to the place where we say, we have arrived. 
Let's sit back. Let's be comfortable. We have enough nursery workers now. Praise the Lord for nursery workers. We have people to teach our children so Jeremiah doesn't have to be in here with the grown-ups and he can be out doing cool stuff with Mr. Josh and the kids. Josh is way cooler than I am. That's okay. But if we say, wow, we've arrived, we have Brother Josh, right? We'd say, no, we haven't arrived. Because, see, the goal is not, well, we'll arrive when we fix up the building. Or we've arrived when all the chairs are full. Or we've arrived when the roof doesn't leak anymore, right? Or we've arrived, we've had some fun things this past two years, when the coon is no longer in the ceiling. We had a raccoon that lived upstairs for a while. And Billy, every morning, would find ceiling tiles on the ground as it would fall through. And then we had holes in the walls. Well, we've arrived. We've patched the holes, Brother Clayton. No, we haven't apprehended yet. We haven't arrived yet. When we first got this building, there was a cat that gave birth to kittens in this building. We have all kinds of new life going on, mostly spiritual new life, but even a cat gave birth to her kittens in here. And let me tell you the smell, it was awful. I'm so thankful for Brother Larry. He's helped us clean and improve those things around here. He's not able to be here today. He texted me this morning. He said, I'm sick. I got a fever. I wish I could be there today. Pray for Brother Larry. So thankful for people that are serving. But folks, we haven't arrived yet. Yesterday, if you were here, we had a Friday night and Saturday. We had a wonderful family conference here. We had about as many people in here as we do this morning, Friday night. On a Friday night, it was full we had a wonderful service. God challenged our hearts. Saturday morning at 8.30, there were people here. There were people learning from God's Word. We had families outside playing games, shooting rubber ducks with squirt guns. It was a blast. We had a great time. And then we came back in and we heard a wonderful message from the book of Ruth. I'm so thankful for God being at work and using this church and this place as people come together and grow in Him. But folks, we haven't arrived yet. Because those are not the goal. Those are wonderful things. Those are wonderful benefits. Those are wonderful blessings to being part of a church. But that's not the goal. That's not where we're headed. Too many times in our life we set goals for ourselves that may be good, but really they're just steps towards something else. Too many times we look at things and we say, boy, when I get there, then I'll be happy. Then I'll have everything I want. Then I'll be content. People do this with their money. Boy, if I could just get this much money, then I'll be happy. But then they get that much money. Are they happy? No, because money doesn't make you happy. People get to a place in their family. Boy, if we could just get the children so we don't have to change diapers anymore, then everything will be great. Then there's a new problem. There's another thing that comes up. See, folks, when we get our eyes on those kinds of things as being the fulfilling thing that's going to just complete us and make us happy. Well, when I get out of school, when I finish college, when I get married, when I have kids, when I get a house, those things don't bring fulfillment. In a church, we can fall into the same kind of trap. Well, when we get enough money to do this, or when we build this, or when we take on those missionaries, or when we can have something, we all feel good together. Those are all wonderful blessings. But Paul here, he says, I count not myself 
to have apprehended. We haven't arrived yet. So what? He says then in verse 13, but this one thing I do. See, there's a focus here. We can often get distracted by lots of other things going on around us, lots of things in our own personal lives, in our family, in our church. Well, we need to fix this. We need to do this. We need to go here. We need to go there. And while all those things may be important things to do, let us never forget the one thing that God's called us to do. He said, forgetting those things behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before You know, when I was reading that, I thought, that kind of sounds like two things, Paul. Sounds mixed up. You said this one thing I do, and then you said, I'm going to forget things, and I'm going to reach forward. That sounds like two things. But as I thought about that, I realized as he's using the illustration of a runner running the race, he says, I haven't quite reached the goal yet, haven't won the prize. He says, here's the thing I do. He says, as I'm reaching forward, as I'm running forward with everything that I have, I forget those things that are behind. You see, if you're running forward with all your might towards the Lord, the things behind you, they're just behind you. It really is one thing. There's a singularity of focus, a singularity of purpose. What was his purpose? That I may know him. That he might have the relationship with God that the Lord wanted him to have. What kind of relationship does God want to have with you? I'll tell you, it was so important to God to have a personal relationship with you that he sent Jesus Christ. Not just to live, not just to leave all of heaven's glory and come to this earth, but then he died. He died so that we might have eternal life. And it was Paul's desire that he would know him, that he would fellowship with him, that he would be close to him. But here in the context of verse 13, he fills that idea, he completes the idea of this race when he says in verse 14, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. There's this idea of reaching Forward, when you're pressing towards and reaching towards the finish line, he says, I'm letting everything else go that doesn't matter. I would ask you this morning, are you holding on to something that's keeping you from reaching towards what God would have you to reach for? Are your hands so full with everything of this life that you don't have room for the Lord? That you don't have room to do what God wants you to do. Well, I don't have time. I don't have energy. I don't have... It's a priority issue. That's what he's talking about here. This one thing I do. It's a question of importance. What really matters. I'm so thankful for all that God has done here in our church. And all the people that he's brought. And the folks that have been saved. And the people that have been baptized. And those that are being discipled. And... All of those wonderful things, how God has provided and He's given us a family and those are wonderful things. I just want to challenge you this morning, let us not stop here. Let us not say we've arrived, we've attained, we're done, we're going to get so full holding on to everything we have here that we can't continue to press forward for what God has for us next. 
Let us not hold on to the past so tightly that we can't press forward to what God has for us in the future. There are still people today that will die without the Lord. And I want to do our very best to share the gospel with every single one of them that we can. You say, well, you can't do it to everybody. Well, I can share it with those that are around me, those that I have contact with. Just this past Thursday, I got a phone call from a lady, and she said, can you come to the hospital tomorrow morning? She said, my dad's going to have surgery. So I went down. I was there at 5.30 in the morning on Friday morning, and uh, supposed to be just a routine surgery, check for things. His body is full of cancer. It was a very awful thing, is an awful thing. This family's going through a lot of hard troubles right now. Say, why would God allow that? I don't know, but I know that this life is not everything that He has for us. We haven't attained it here. We haven't apprehended it here. We're going to continue to press forward. But you know, I'll tell you some positives. Uh, The brother of this lady came. He's been struggling with all kinds of things, involved in drugs and other things that are hurting his body, making bad choices, running far from God. This brought that brother to the hospital. I got to share about the Lord with him. Say, is that what it might take? Whatever, Lord, as long as your work goes forward. See, Paul said, I haven't apprehended yet. I haven't arrived yet. He said, I'm reaching forward to something. What's he reaching forward to? He says, this mark, this finish line. The prize, what is the prize? It's the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Can you imagine one day what it's going to be like when God sends out His call? When the trumpet blows and when the dead in Christ Arise first, and then we which who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with Him in the clouds, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Can you imagine what it's going to be someday standing before the judgment seat of Christ as He reads out and as He calls out and as He gives out those crowns to those who have served Him faithfully? And as Paul the Apostle himself said, he was looking for when God would say to him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Will God say that to you? What mark are you pressing for? Where are you headed? What's the goal? What's the focus? Where are you spending your time? Spending your purpose? I will tell you, I've been in, this is now the third church I've worked in in a full-time basis. When we went to Greenwood Village with Pastor Clayton, he was in the process of getting that church going again. And as he was preaching the word and as people were coming and joining the church and the church began to grow, there was always these stages along the way where more folks would come in and say, oh, it feels so good. We have people to take care of this and take care of that and do this, do that. Now we can kind of relax. No, because there's still people that need the Lord. When the Lord moved us, my family and I, up to Indiana to help a friend of mine as they were trying to encourage a struggling church and bring it back, we served the Lord faithfully there with them for three years and saw God begin to do that. And they went through some of those same stages again. It always happens. God's been doing that in our church here as well. 
But it's so easy for us. I'll tell you, there's been some times in the last few weeks where I called some people. I said, God's been so good to us. He's provided all of these things. I said, we're at a place we can kind of take a break. And it would feel good. And I'm not saying we never rest. We ought to sleep. We need to take care of ourselves, take care of your families. And we want to be able to be a church that allows you to do that. We're not talking about being busy, busy, busy so that you can't take care of yourself like you need to. But I am talking about let us keep the right focus and the right purpose. Not let all the things that bring comfort to us to hold us back to continue to take steps of faith to do what God calls us to do. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. We serve a faithful God. And I would just encourage you as we, as uh, Alan comes in just a moment to lead us in the song, How Great Thou Art. We serve a great God. Let's remember why we're here. It's not to exalt me. It's not to exalt any of these other people. It's just to thank them for what God's done through them. Would you stand with me as we sing, How Great Thou Art? O oh Lord my God, when I an awesome wonder, I'll lead us.